Hello friends, welcome back to the Raising a Wildflower podcast. I am, guess where, in the car because that's the only time I can find a little bit of peace and quiet and time to myself um, because Charlie fell asleep. Um, I'm not driving though, I'm just sitting parked so um, you might hear a little ambient noise of wind or cars driving by. Um, but I'm sitting in the car with my two girls because uh, Jelly Bean is a girl. Um, I had a really strong feeling that she was a girl and I'm just so happy. I really wanted sisters. I just had that in my head and I am over the moon that I do have two little girls, two little sisters. Um, so Jelly Bean is Peyton Marie and today I wanted to just tell you about her birth story because it is the opposite of Charlie's um, and it's kind of a wild ride. So happy listening guys and thank you so much for tuning in. Alright, so between that recording and this one, Peyton woke up in the car and was a little bit fussy. That's like her one Achilles heel is that she doesn't like to be sitting in the car seat if we're not moving. Um, So I have her sitting on my lap. So if you hear little suckling noises and tiny newborn baby sounds, you're welcome because it's basically the best. Um, But anyway, so let's just start at the beginning, which we'll just start at my 40-week appointment. Um, And I went in, and they said I was about 70% effaced, but zero centimeters dilated. Again. (laughs) Um, And I was pretty disappointed because I had been having padromal labor for like a week straight, where I would wake up in the middle of the night, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, have contractions till 5 o'clock, 5.30, 6, um, and they would be uncomfortable enough to keep me awake. Like, they weren't super painful, but it's annoying to not be able to sleep. And then they would just peter out in the morning, so nothing would come of it. Um, which is just frustrating because it's already uncomfortable to sleep when you're giantly pregnant. And then that on top of it, I was just frustrated um, and even more disappointed at my appointment when it seemed like the contractions were doing nothing because I wasn't even dilated to anything. (laughs) Um, So I was a little bit disappointed, but not altogether surprised just because I I assumed I was going to go late based on my labor with Charlie. Um, So then... The next week, I went in for my 41-week appointment, and it was with a different person, and he said I was only 30% effaced, but 2 centimeters dilated. So I was actually pretty excited about the 2 centimeters dilated part, Um, and, you know, we did the non-stress test. Baby looked great, but the doctor said that based on my past track record, the likelihood of me going into labor on my own was super minimal, so we should get an induction scheduled for the next week. Which, I mean, I have to anyway. You know, they don't let you go past 42 weeks. But um, it's kind of funny because... So this was on our anniversary. It was Matt and I's three-year anniversary that I spent getting a cervical exam. And then, you know, non-stress test. So it was pretty romantic, to say the least. Um, And then that next day, August 19th, at 4.45 in the morning, I woke up with contractions. And since it had happened so many times, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is anything. I'll just, you know, kind of try to lay down and go to sleep. But I was kind of timing them because they seemed really consistent and they were stronger than the ones that I'd had before. And they were coming about every 12 minutes. So that lasted till about 6, 6 or 6.30. And then I woke Matt up and I was like, I think this is it. Like they're, because some of them were coming 8 to 12 minutes or eight minutes apart even, but they were very consistent. And so I was like, I think this is it. He was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. So I called my mom um, because obviously we needed somebody to take care of Charlie. And she was like, well, all right, so don't go to the hospital yet. You know, it'll probably be like 
all day, so you want to labor at home as long as you can, and, you know, maybe we can come pick up Charlie in a couple hours, and I was like, um, okay, and I hung up the phone, I was kind of like, I don't think, I don't think it's gonna be all day, I think this is gonna happen sooner, um, and I think I texted her, like, 15 minutes later, because there were some that were coming now, they were more like five to seven minutes apart, and I was like, mom, I don't think, like, I think this is happening, like, now, I don't, I don't think we have very much time, um, and Matt said that this was the point when he realized things were getting real because I was having to bend over and pause during the contractions. Like, I couldn't move during them. And so he, like, started flying, like, getting things together because um, I had had my hospital bag packed so many times because I thought I was going into labor and then having to, like, you know, take out my toiletries and stuff. So I didn't have it totally packed. So I was trying to pack that up. Charlie was still asleep. And I was like, oh, I don't know, my, my, like, mom, should you come here? And But they were coming so much quicker than, this was even by, like, 7. And my mom was like, maybe you should just wake Charlie up and we'll just meet you at the hospital. So that's what we did. Um, we woke Charlie up We maybe at, like, 7.30 and drove to the hospital, got there a little bit before 8. And the drive to the hospital, things were getting even more intense. Like, it was a miserable drive. I was trying to hang on to the little... Um, you know, I don't even know what you call it, thing that I guess you're supposed to hold on to if people are going too fast to try to suspend myself above the seat because any pressure on my pelvis was like agony. Um, and sweet Matt pulled up to the wrong doorway three times. So I got out of the car, well, I guess two times, maybe three. I don't know. I got out of the car at least twice thinking that that's where he was going to drop me off and then had to get back in and I was so <laughs> frustrated and then finally we pull up to the right door where my mom was waiting because of course she knew where to go um and I was like seeing just like tunnel vision like it was um they even like they didn't even ask for my ID they didn't ask for anything they just wheeled up a wheelchair let me sit down I was like closing my eyes I said a tearful goodbye to my mom and Charlie because I really was so sad that my mom couldn't be in there with me um because of COVID, only one support person is allowed into the delivery room. So, of course, you know, I had to choose Matt because he's the baby's daddy. So, you know. Um, but I was sad that my mom wasn't going to be able to be there with us. And, obviously, it was just emotional for me leaving Charlie because I, she's, like, my appendage. Like, we're just together all the time. Um, but then, yeah, so they just, like, they called somebody from labor and delivery to come down and, and wheel me up there. And then the lady at the reception was like, um, actually, is there anybody down here that can just take her up? I don't know. She, she this like, looks like it's happening pretty, getting pretty intense. So somebody wheeled me up to labor and delivery. I literally had my eyes closed the whole time. I didn't know what was going on. And they were trying to ask me questions, which I would like try to answer. And Matt would try to answer. And, um, oh, God bless you. God bless you, sweet girl. Um, and then, so finally we get in there and they check me and I was at like a soft five or something and I was crushed again, just like a little, cause I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like this is like going to happen soon. This is so painful. Like they were coming just right on top of each other. It felt like, um, and they were really strong and I was just like kind of starting to panic. I was like, oh my gosh, if this is going to be like hours, I'm not going to be able to do this for hours. Like this is horrible. And I didn't, like, none of the things that I thought would make me feel better were working. Like, bouncing on the ball hurt even more. I couldn't find a comfortable position um, to do these contractions. And I was like, I, I don't know if I can be able to do this. And I told Matt that because I tried to go to the bathroom to see if that would help. It didn't. Um, and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. He's like, oh, well, do you want me to just go get a 
get somebody to get you an epidural? Like, I'll go right now. I was like, no, no, you're not, like, you're supposed to be the person that tells me, yes, you can do it. You're not supposed to just give in immediately. Um, but then, so this angel of a nurse truly, I mean, is like the reason why I was able to go through this labor without any medication because I was like starting to panic and anyone that knows, you know, if you start to panic, that's when it just like, it all goes to crap. Um, and she was helping me stay calm. She would help me relax my shoulders when they were tense. She showed me positions to lay in. Um, and just reminded me of all the things that I knew I should be doing, but I was, like, too panicked to do, um, and just, like, she didn't leave the room one time, like, she just was there by my side the whole time, was so helpful, I, like, could, I just love her, she was amazing, um, and the contractions were, like, I don't know, Matt said I had one break that was four minutes long, which was glorious, like, it was so nice, but for the most part, they were pretty much just right on top of each other, Um, and then it got to the point where I was like, this is awful. And then I thought I peed myself. I was like, oh my gosh, I think I just peed. And the sweet nurse was like, no, no, honey, I don't think you peed. Even if you did, it's okay. But I think it's your water. Like, just breathe, just breathe. And she's like, it's going to get a little more intense after this because you don't have the cushion of the amniotic fluid anymore, which I did know. But in my head, I was like, I, if it's, I, I can't do more intense. Like this is, you know, pushing me to my limit. I can't do it if it's more intense than this. Um, and they did get more intense. They were so, like, I just was, even with the nurse's help, I was starting to just be like, this is crap. Like, this is awful. This hurts so bad. Um, and she was like, okay, let's go ahead and check you again. And so at this point, so my water broke at 9.45. Um, and then I don't know what time, how many minutes, probably not very many, somebody came to check me and I was about a 10. I just had a little bit of a lip. And so the nurse was like, I need you, like, I need you not to push. Um, you know, you're going to feel the urge to push. I need you to breathe through it because it's, you don't want to swell your cervix. Um, so just like try to breathe through it. Like you're going to blow out a candle. And all I wanted to do was like scream and grunt and push. And I was like trying to just like blow out my candle. Um, and it was so painful. I was like, I, I, I can't do this. I need to start pushing. And I was like, so I had my knees on the top of the bed and like I was on my elbows and knees um facing backward um and I was like I want to push like this and Matt said the nurse and the doctor's face were like panicked because the doctor was like I don't know how to catch the baby this way like you can't push this way you're gonna have to flip around and I was like I can't I don't know if I could do it I can't do it and the nurse was like you can do this you're gonna flip around we're gonna have this baby um and I did and I was finally able to push and I think I pushed through it was two contractions and the pain was almighty, like, ooh, good night. It was, it was a lot. And I, I mean, I remember feeling it with Charlie, the ring of fire and the pushing was really painful. Um, but I still, I feel like I still had at least a little bit of an epidural or a little bit of numbing or something. Cause I think this one was even more painful. I mean, they are pretty equal. Well, I don't know. This one was like pretty bad. And, um, I finally pushed and I could feel the head. I felt her head and she, the rest of her just came out and, um, (laughs) Matt was the one that got to announce the sex. And I remember right before he said it, I could see the reflection in the light or something on the ceiling. And because little girls have like their labia swollen when they're born, sometimes it looked like a little scrotum sack. So I was like, Oh my gosh, it's a boy. I was so shocked. And it, he, it took him a second. He was like, it's a girl. And I was like, wait, what? And then I looked and yes, it was a girl. 
um, and she was put on my chest and she was tiny and perfect and beautiful and slimy. Um, and I was just, yeah, I was so elated that it was a girl, but it was almost, I was in shock, I think, because it had happened so fast. Um, and for reference, I was in labor with Charlie for 44 hours. So I had a lot of time to lay there and think about what was coming and the moment that my baby put, was, you know, pushed out of me. And, um, and then this one, I mean, start to finish. So she was born at 10.06 a.m. So um, from 4.45 to 10.06, you know, and I got to the hospital. I checked in at 8.19. So it wasn't even quite two hours that I was in the hospital and I had my baby which is wild. Like I didn't think that I could have a labor that fast. Um, and I'm really thankful that my body can do it and I can go into labor myself. Thank you very much, doctor, Dr. G. Um, but my mom said that this is called precipitous labor when it just happens really fast. And so it's very intense for a short amount of time. Um, and I did, so I tore again, which I was very disappointed. Well, actually, okay. So I didn't tear with Charlie. They gave me an episiotomy I don't think I needed it, but they didn't really ask, um, and that's a little bit frustrating that I that I had that because the doctor said that I tore right through my episiotomy again, and I wouldn't have torn otherwise because she said I pushed beautifully and I you know was very controlled, um, but because that scar tissue was weaker, I just tore right through it. Um, it was a second degree tear, so it's not so bad. But when she started sewing me up because I didn't have any medication, I was like, ah, this hurts really bad. Um, and so she had to, they gave me some fentanyl through my IV because I did, I tested positive for groupie strep again. I don't know if I told you guys that the last podcast episode, um, but with this one, I only got one round of antibiotics because I was only in the hospital for two hours. So um, that was actually, so we were going to have to stay for 48 hours in the hospital just to be sure that there was nothing, you know, there was no complications with Peyton because she didn't get the full four hours with the antibiotics um, on board, which we didn't end up having to stay for 48 hours. We stayed for 24. Um, and it was oddly relaxing to be in the hospital with her, which I remember thinking when I had Charlie and, you know, Matt and I were there, I was like, we have another person in here. Like it felt so full in the room to have three people. And I had this tiny human who was going to just depend fully on me. And then with this one, obviously Charlie wasn't there and it was just the three of us. And I was like, this is so relaxing. This is like a little mini vacation. Um, even though I miss Charlie, obviously a ton. And it was obviously super sad that Charlie didn't get to meet Peyton in the hospital. Um, cause no visitors were allowed to come in. Um, although actually, so I, they, I guess they had recently changed it. Um, cause even on the website, it didn't even, it wasn't updated yet, but you could have one visitor at a time. So if Matt left the room, then somebody else, one person could come in. Um, they have to be over 18 though. So no kids allowed. And so my mom was actually able to come and meet Peyton in the hospital. Um, and Matt went outside and hung out with Charlie for a little bit. It honestly was, it like killed me to not be able to go and see Charlotte myself, but, um, we figured it would be worse if I went out and then had to go right back in. She'd probably have a much harder time than if I just didn't, she just didn't see me at all. So, um, that's what got to happen. Matt got to, uh, see Charlie for a little bit and he actually went home and did her nighttime routine and put her to bed. Um, and then came back to the hospital to spend the night. And so Peyton and I just got to spend some quality time together. Uh, we watched some game show network, Steve Harvey, you know, um, and had a chicken avocado sandwich, 
Well, I did. She had it secondarily, you know, through the boob. So, um, and it was really nice. And then when we did get to go home the next day, we were there for about just a little over 24 hours total. Um, and when we did get to introduce the sisters, it was so amazing. Uh, Charlie was so excited and she just was over the moon about her sister, which I am so thankful for. And I know it could have been, you know, not that way. So I'm very thankful that she loved her. Um, and since then it's been nothing but love from that standpoint. She really, Charlie really does love Peyton. She's obsessed with her. She wants to hug her and hold her and kiss her. And it's basically the cutest thing ever. Um, one of my favorite things that she does is she will try to talk to Peyton herself and she'll say, baby, hold you. Yeah. Okay. And then she'll try to pick her up. <laughs> um, or sometimes she says, well, so first she said baby. Now she says pain. That's how she says pain. Pain? Hold you? No? Okay. And then she doesn't try to hold her. So I don't know what makes her, you know, how she answers for Peyton. I don't know, but it's pretty cute. Um, and then also she will go and get Peyton's pacifier. If she starts to fuss and cry, she wants to go get it for her. Um, or she tells me, feed it, feed it, because she knows that I have to feed her when she's crying. That's usually the only time that she cries. Um, or, like I said, if she's in her car seat and we're not moving, she does not. She's not a fan of sitting still in the car seat, which I got spoiled with with Charlie because she stayed asleep in her car seat no matter what, if we were moving or not, which I realize now was just amazing because that is opposite of Peyton, <laughs> um, which is fine because she really, I mean, every baby has, has something and that's really pretty manageable. She is otherwise, we call her sweet pea because she is the sweetest and really chill and just really relaxed. Um, even when Charlotte is a little bit less than gentle with her, which we are working on, um, out of excitement, Peyton is pretty tolerant and sweet and doesn't seem to get bothered by it, which is awesome. So the postpartum phase has a, is a whole different story and I think I'm just gonna do a separate podcast on that. Um, because there's so much to get into and, um, I don't know, I need to organize my thoughts a little better, but I will just tell you guys that I got off social media, um, about a month when Peyton was pretty much exactly a month old and I also got back on antidepressants, um, at the same time because I was having a very, very hard time this time around, much harder than I did with Charlie, um, but I was also on antidepressants throughout Charlie's pregnancy and until she was a year old. I got off them when she was a year and I was off antidepressants for a full year and then I got back on them. So I will talk about all of that and all of the other postpartum stories. I have some good um, mom stories about just the reality of what it is to be postpartum and I will be pretty raw and well I'll be very raw and very honest because I think that postpartum the postpartum phase is just something that isn't talked about enough openly and honestly and it's almost like you have to feel ashamed about the things that are going on with your body and your brain and that makes it so much worse it exacerbates the problem if you have you know um, postpartum blues or postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression um because you just feel like you can't even talk to people about it because it's shameful or something. So I want to be as honest and open as I can about that. And I will do that in the next episode, which hopefully I'll put out in the next um, week or so. This, the other thing about this postpartum phase is that it's much busier than it was the first time. 
Um, so within the first two months of Peyton's life, there will be, we'll have gone to two weddings. We'll have had Charlie's birthday party. We'll have had, um, a, a huge party, two actually huge parties with my family for birthdays. Um, and we will have driven back and forth from Arizona. Um, and I have started a new freelancing job, so it has been, it's just, it was a lot all at once, um, in addition to becoming a mom of two, so, um, we'll get into all of that next time, but hopefully you guys enjoyed the birth story of sweet Peyton Marie, and I will see you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening.